Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Oh, actually, Jane, before we start, are you able to, is there a way to flip it so that maybe uh, Jackson's on the bottom and I'm, me and Tommy are, are squared up? That probably make more sense. Oh, is it, I can Or is it just, is it, or is that just, are we just kind of stuck because of how I came in last? That, but, but let me see if I can move it. Okay. If not, then it's not a big deal. Oh, there you go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, cool. It's Knicks and Cavs preview week here on Orange and Blue Bloods. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, joining you guys for another edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFAN, original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you get that auto-download feature. we got plenty to get to on this show. We will be talking in-depth with a person who's been following the Cleveland Cavaliers all season about what he expects to see from this series, some of the matches we should be looking forward to, and his prediction for what will happen between the Knicks and Cavs in this first-round matchup. We'll also give you updated on the Knicks-Cavs series schedule that came out, and we'll give you guys the latest on the play-in tournament. There have been some, shall I say, interesting games in the first round. I don't know if I guess he called them well-played games, but certainly a lot of uh, interesting games and interesting results, and we'll give you guys an update on that. Tommy joins me as well. Tommy, how you feeling? Feeling good. Um, happy to welcome Jackson in, and let's get right into it. Let's talk a little Knicks and Cavs, my friend. Exactly. Thanks for having so, me on. Oh. Yes, exactly. So the Knicks and Cavs face off in one of the most anticipated first round matchups in this year's uh, postseason game. One is on Saturday. And while we've spoken so much about the Knicks this season, we thought today was a great chance to get more of an inside look at their opponent for this series. So as Tommy mentioned and the voice you just heard joining us to break down the Cleveland Cavaliers and what they've done this season, how they're going to approach this first round matchup is Jackson Flickinger. He is a writer for the Cavs blog, Fear the Sword. Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, just love talking basketball and especially playoff basketball. So this should right. be fun. Exactly. This is my favorite time of the year. A lot of basketball fans' favorite time of the year. So with this being such a high-profile series, I think that this should be an awesome conversation. So I want to get into these Cavs. I think there are Knicks fans who have actually been kind of following the Cavs from a distance because of all the stuff that happened with Donovan Mitchell. There are even some Knicks fans that are still lamenting the fact that Donovan Mitchell isn't on the Knicks. So um, I, I think that a lot of Knicks fans maybe have more familiarity with the Cavs than they would maybe some other potential first round matches they have. But considering there are many who maybe haven't been following the Cavs this season, I want to start off the gate asking, how did they get to their 51 wins this season? Um, So really the Donovan Mitchell fitting in with the big three that they kind of already had is the biggest reason why this team has been so good. Um, It's easy to just look at Donovan Mitchell and say, hey, he's the one who's leading wins and he's, he's the one who's making this engine run. And that's true, but it's really the core four of Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell that are just making this, this engine hum like it is. And it's really their fit together. And when the Cavs are at their best, they have all four players playing together. 
because they all complement each other in really interesting and unique ways that when one of them isn't isn't out there, you just kind of don't get that same good team. And the Cavs have been a really good team. They, they have the second best point differential this this season. They have the seventh offense. They have the first defense. This is a team that has been really good all season long, and it's really because of their core four. Tommy? Yeah, uh, you mentioned that – you know, just briefly in our, our little pre-chat before we hopped on here, that the Cavs were a good matchup for the Knicks. I was just kind of thinking your thoughts why um, New York in particular, uh, you know, you feel that there are some advantages that that Cleveland might be able to exploit. So I think really the Cavs on the offensive end, I think it's a, I think the Knicks are going to have a tough time handling Allen and Mobley inside. The teams that have given the Cavs the most problems are the teams that can both take away Allen and Mobley and also still contest shots at the rim from their guards. And what I'm really concerned about is like the Darius Garland pick and roll. We've seen a lot, like a lot of instances this year where the Cavs have like the Cavs are at their best when they can get, you know, Allen and Mobley both attacking the rim and Mm -hmm. Garland, you know, coming down with Mitchell spacing the floor and the teams that really do a good job of shutting that down are teams that can kind of hide a really good Swiss army knife defender on Isaac Okoro, who's not a good offensive player. Right. Uh, so the teams that can hide like a really good defender on him and can kind of mess that whole process up are the teams that really give the Cavs a lot of problems. And I don't know if the Knicks have that kind of guy who can, you know, who they can hide on Isaac Okoro, who can mess everything up while also still having really good defenders on Mobley and, and Allen and Garland and Mitchell. So that's that's why I kind of – that's where I see the Cavs' biggest strength in this series. That's interesting because the guy that I expect to start on Okoro or play most of the minutes on Okoro will probably be Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Brunson has been pesky with taking charges this year, but you know, will he be able to kind of wreak havoc as a help defender uh, beyond the charges I think will be an important part of this series. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting about this series, because I get that impression that Cavs fans feel comfortable um, and keep, keep Cavs observer feel comfortable about this matchup with the Knicks and then vice versa. I feel like Knicks fan, Knicks observers feel like they feel very comfortable about the Knicks being an underdog, but feeling like they can do something in this series. The Knicks took three out of four from the Cavs in the regular season. These were wildly different games in regards to pace uh, even the personnel that was playing in some of these games. And, of course, the results, some were high-scoring games, some were really low-scoring games. Um, what, if anything, do you think the Cavs took away from those matchups and what would be their first priority in terms of what they are trying to take away from the Knicks in this series? Uh, so I think really the one constant throughout the four games has been the Knicks have just done a really good job on the offensive glass against the Cavs. They've just been able to get a uh, – ton of rebounds, a ton of second chance points. Um, And that's something that I think they're going to have to really do well against this team. And another thing that they did well in their four matchups is they really shot the ball well from deep. This Cavs defense really tries to take away the paint and they struggle when you get a hot shooting night, um, you know, from an opponent, but, but in particular from a big, and I think, the game where we saw, so their January 24th game, that's the only time that the Cavs had their core four together for one of those games. And that was also the game that Julius Randle was unstoppable from deep. And the Cavs just didn't really 
have an answer for that because what the Cavs do best is they keep, you know, they keep Jared Allen on the center and they have Evan Mobley kind of, you know, roam off and kind of just help and wreak havoc everywhere. And when you have a player like Julius Randle, who was hot from deep, you kind of don't allow Evan Mobley to do what he does best. So, you know, that's why, you know, teams that can shoot good from the outside and, and in particular from their bigs, those are the ones who give the Cavs problems. So that's what my big takeaway was from the, from their games this season. Yeah, it, and, and obviously in the in the final game, we had the 48-point game from Brunson. Um, you mentioned that during January 24th game, Brunson had, I believe it was just 16 points on, mm. on, on 5 of 13 shooting, I believe. Um, and obviously the difference being Ico Coral available. Um, so, so two things. Um, one, uh, just a medical update on Okoro. Sounds like he's trending in the right direction. Bickerstaff has said kind of day to day. Do you think he'll be available for game one? And uh, if he's available, I assume you think he'll be in the starting lineup as that as fifth guy next to that core four. Yeah, if he is going to play, he will be starting. Um, they really like having Okoro out there to start games, especially against a team that has a really good offensive player like Jalen Brunson. Uh, Okoro is, you know, he's 6'6", but he's really best when he's guarding smaller type guards. He's not somebody you put on like, you know, in their matchups against the Celtics. They don't put him on like Jason Tatum. But, you know, so when so he's really he's really at his best against somebody like Jalen Brunson. And you can't take away Jalen Brunson entirely. He's too good offensively. But there's a big difference between what Isaac Okoro can do and what Lamar Stevens can do. Lamar Stevens was the guy who just let Brunson just go off on him. And Lamar is kind of JB Bakerstaff's version of like, if Isaac Okoro isn't there, we're just going to put Lamar on him and Mm -hmm. just try to keep the game plan exactly the same and try to keep Karis Liver coming off the bench. And it's really not something that I would think the Cavs would do in a playoff series, even if, you know, for whatever reason, Isaac Okoro can't play. They're going to start Lavert, and he's probably going to be the guy on him. And Lavert, he's been a good team defender this year, but he's certainly not somebody who you would say, "Yeah, I feel comfortable with him on," you know, Jalen Brunson. But I do think Isaac Okoro is going to be available. JB is JB Bakerstaff is very tries to be sly when it comes to like injury reports and stuff. He's really he's really tries to be yeah. like, "Hey, I'm hockey coach." So I yeah. think. I think that Isaac is going to play how effective he's going to be. That's another question, but we really won't know until we, you know, get game one going. Yeah. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer here. Jack Flickinger joins us uh, from Fear the Sword, a Cavs uh, blog. We're breaking down the Cleveland Cavaliers as they head up into this matchup against the New York Knicks. And I saw you posted an article yesterday about why Darius Garland could be the X Factor. You mentioned it a little bit. Um, earlier in this conversation, why do you think he could be the difference in the Cavs winning or losing? I thought some of the interesting, you posted some interesting stuff regarding how uh, they attacked the Knicks and pick and roll and how Garland could be really the difference in this series. Yeah. I mean, it's just when you play the numbers game, you know, Evan, Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, they're so good at finishing at the rim. You just want to kind of limit that because once they get going, it's hard to get them to stop, you know, and, what Darius Garland does best is he feeds those guys, you know, puts them in position to succeed. So what the, so what I expect the Knicks to do is kind of make sure that Darius Garland can't do that and live with some lower percentage shots. And 
you know, Darius Garland has been, Darius Garland has had a very good season, but he can sometimes be a streaky offensive player. We saw that last year in the play-in where yeah. the first game against the Nets, he was, he was great. And then against the, against the Hawks, he got completely outplayed by Trey Young. So mm-hmm. it's going to be his first playoff series. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. I think that he's the guy that the Knicks are going to say, Hey, like if Darius Garland beats, beats us, that's, you know, that's one thing, but we can't, but we can't let Mobley and um, Allen just get a free run at the rim. It makes a lot of sense. Um, the one player I'm kind of interested in, in, you know, looking at the series, I think from a Knicks perspective, a lot of fans think RJ Barrett's going to be the X factor. And in some ways he's been very frustrating, inconsistent, uh, been down, have some good games, have some bad games, not quite up to snuff as, as well as you want to play defensively. Um, I, I kind of get the sense that, that uh, Karis LeVert is similar in that respect, uh, you know, in Cleveland. Um, what can we expect to see from him? And, and I know you've mentioned the core four kind of focus on them a lot. How important is it? For if the Cavs are going to win the series, you know, do they need a, a quality, you know, series from Karis LeVert? How is he? How, how important is he to the overall picture here? He's important, I think. So what Karis LeVert does is he raises the ceiling of this team. When you have the, like the Cavs have been good throughout this whole season, and they've really only gotten a good Karis LeVert for two months. You know, mm. even a like the biggest problem with the Cavs is their bench they don't have a lot of guys that you feel comfortable with you know putting around this core four and like the biggest problem is a lot of the guys that are available on the bench are like Ricky Rubio who the Cavs got because they didn't have Donovan Mitchell the Cavs added added Mitchell in September and they weren't able to fill fill out the rest of the roster with you know Donovan Mitchell in mind so Karis LeVert is kind of the only player on the bench that kind of fits with what the Cavs need. So that's why he's important. But what, but what you can expect from him, you know, he is streaky, but he's really settled into his role since the trade deadline. His name was floated around a bunch at the deadline. Um, They weren't able to get a deal done, but he's kind of settled into being more of a three point shooter instead of settling for those mid range shots, which he has been absolutely awful at. So if mm. you're the Knicks, what you want him to do is he's, he like, like Garland is good at getting the bigs involved and he's a good pick and roll player, but he really struggles when teams just completely sit back and force him to take that mid range shot. Cause he just doesn't hit that mid range shot at all. He's shooting 33% on mid range shots, which is lower than what he shoots from three. So, mm. you know, he's kind of he's kind of a frustrating player, but he's kind of a guy that they need because he's really like the only guy on the bench that kind of fits into anything that they want to do. Yeah, and, and I want to stay on the bench because that was something that I've been noting all week as we look at this matchup. Mm-hmm. If there was one thing I felt like I could say, okay, I can definitely point to the Knicks having an advantage here. I thought it was the bench. I think you look at Emmanuel quickly, who could be the presumptive you know, six man of the year, potentially. I know he's in a close race with Malcolm Brogdon, some other players. Um, Josh Hart has really kind of changed the dynamic of the Knicks bench and the whole dynamic of the team, quite frankly, since he's joined the roster. Um, overall, do you see that same advantage for the Knicks potentially in this series with the bench beyond just Karis LeVert? He's a player that I know is a dangerous offensive scorer, but what about Chetty Osman? You mentioned Stevens. Is that something where the Knicks come in with an advantage against the Cavs? A huge advantage. You know, the... 
the big like the Cavs bench is a big problem. Last year they were buoyed by Kevin Love having a great season and Ricky Rubio also having a great season until he got injured. Ricky Rubio hasn't been the same guy. And he's it's it's a much worse fit because last year what they needed is a guy who could set other people up and create off the dribble. And this year when you have Donovan Mitchell paired with Darius Garland, you don't really need that because you don't want to take the ball out of you know Donovan Mitchell's hand. So he's played worse and is like a worse fit. But the Cavs bench has been a problem all season. The players that kind of fit what you would want best are like Danny Green. Danny Green has – he's had a tough time coming back from his ACL injury. He was out a couple weeks with COVID. So he's only played 18 minutes with the starting lineup, which is a big deal. So I don't think you can expect much from him. Jetty Osmond's really hit and miss. And JB Bakersaf really has a short leash with him. So I think what the Cavs are going to be doing here is they're just going to be rolling out their core four players. They're all going to be playing around 40 minutes, and you're just going to hope to fill in the rest of that time with maybe a little bit of Dean Wade, a little bit of Lamar Stevens, and a lot of Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro. Yeah, I was I, I was I was looking at the the numbers, and and as I'm working on my preview, I was like, you know, Nick's huge advantage of bench. I did I was surprised to see though that the Cavs are actually plus one point six net rating um, from on their bench unit, which is sixth in the NBA this year. Um, a lot of it has to do with defensively. I guess you know they're they're you know they're, they're near the top of the league, obviously, um, and I you know so I think that has a lot to do with it. But yeah, you basically kind of got to my point. I I, I expect. Um, especially with the games being parceled out as they are, you know, two, uh, game one, two games off, uh, you know, game two, three days off, and then, the, you know, game four is until Saturday, that you you expect JB to kind of play those guys 40-plus minutes a night and um, really just lean heavily on, on, the, on, the, on the starting unit plus Levert, have those six guys play as much minutes as they can possibly handle, I assume. Yeah, um, and one of the things that we've seen throughout the season is how JB rotates – how, how he uses this rotation. He's always keeping two of, you know, Garland, Mitchell, Allen, and Mobley on the floor at all times. So one big with one guard. And yeah. usually when you take one of the guards off, you put in Karis LeVert. So that's kind of, you know, they're going to have to survive probably about 15 minutes with, you know, with that little staggering there. And that's where I think the Knicks can take advantage. Because when you don't have, when you have one of Mobley or Allen on the floor, defending that pick and roll is a lot easier, especially when you have somebody like Dean Wade, who you're very comfortable to let shoot out there. So it's just, you know, that's where the Knicks, I think, have to make their hay is when those four players aren't out there together. So before we get you out of here, Jackson, and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. We talked, me and Tommy talked a bunch about kind of the sense of pressure coming into a series. Um, isn't on the Cavs, isn't on the Knicks. I want to get the Cavs perspective uh, coming into this postseason matchup. Is there a pressure from the Cleveland fan base, from the city, that this Cavs team is expected to make a, a deep run in the postseason? And would a loss be a major disappointment? Uh, I do think a loss would be a, a major disappointment. The Cavs, this isn't a make or break season. Like the Cavs don't need to go to the Eastern Conference Finals for it to be successful. You know, the Cavs core four is all really young and they haven't had a chance to really fill out the roster along the edges just because of when this Mitchell trade was done. So it's not a make or break year for them, but they've also been really good this year. You know, 
when you look at the advanced stats, they all say the Cavs are, you know, one of the top teams in the league and you don't make a trade for like an all NBA type player and just get bounced in the first round and say, this is a successful season. So there is a lot of pressure on the Cavs. If that happens, I don't think you would see any changes going into next season, but this, you know, a loss here would make next season really difficult. You know, if the Cavs got off to a bad start, JB Bickerstaff could be gone, you know, like changes would be made. So there is pressure on the Cavs. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if the team feels that type of pressure, like the players, because a lot of them, this is their first time. Well, this is the first time this group has gone to the playoffs together. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're feeling that pressure, but I think if this series, you know, went poorly, there would be a lot of pressure going into next season. And that's when you'd see some changes. Who wins how many games? Uh, so I've been saying Cavs in five. I just think the Cavs wow. are a much better team. I think, okay. I think the Knicks just are going to have a tough time, you know, stopping what the Cavs do best. So, you know, that's that's what I think. Jackson Flickinger, you can catch his work at Fear the Sword. Really good stuff. Jackson, thank you so much for doing this. Hopefully we can do this again at some point down the road. Yeah, thanks, thank Jackson. you for having me on. Appreciate it. Jackson Flickinger there.